Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Do you see how fast I ran there? It was the Bible. I don't want the Bible to hit the floor. That's bad luck. Uh, and so, I just kidding. I, I don't believe in luck. I believe in a force much greater than luck. Boom. Take that. Uh, speaking of luck, you were lucky if you got a parking spot today, weren't you? Oh my gosh. And so I apologize. Um, there is a uh, there's a volleyball tournament going on right now, and they started at eight. And so they beat us. And so in the future, if you want a parking spot, we'll do our services at 7 a.m. And uh, we will we'll beat them. <laughs> and so, um, that's, so it's a little inconvenience for this week. But you know what? You made it here, which means it's going to be extra, extra special and good. So if you made it and found a parking spot, that means God is on your side. And so you win. And so way to be here. Uh, my name's Adam. I'm the campus pastor here in the West Shore. And uh, really thankful that you're here. You know, if, you, if I haven't met you before, please come say hi. Uh, I would really, truly... Truly, truly love to meet you. Um, after the service, we, we are, do have coffee and donuts. We love donuts. Calories don't count in church. Carbs don't even count in church. Unless you're celiac, then they still count in. So don't, don't eat them in that case, because that would be awkward for you and all of us. And so, but uh, right in the feelers. I got you, Jay. Don't worry. This, uh, this is a special series that we're jumping into. So it's a, it's a new series. It's called, it's called God, God Is. And this series is important because we're going to address a number of topics that are, that are fundamental to the Christian faith, but are often maybe overlooked or, or maybe uh, assumed, or, or maybe it's not that we ignore them, it's just that oftentimes we don't, we don't raise our hands and say, hey, what is, what is sanctification anyways, right? Or, or we just kind of go with the flow and not actually ask questions because we don't, we don't want to look silly sometimes. And so if we felt it was important to address some of these, these topics. I remember when I first started dating Shandy, uh, before I became a Christian, um, I was too embarrassed to look dumb and ask questions. And so I just pretended I knew everything. And so, and so, which got me into trouble, especially when Shandy's parents invited me over for Bible trivia night. And, uh, and I really quickly realized I can't trick them. Um, I don't actually, if there's no knowledge up here, you can't just make it happen. And, and so I was like, oh, okay, I got caught. And I got caught in an awkward way. Um, I learned that you can't, you can't just be pretend to be a Christian by pretending that you know things. Um, it doesn't actually help. Uh, I learned that you can't just pretend to be a Christian by pretending to do Christian things. Like, oh, yeah, I, I pray all the time. Yeah, I'm a super Christian. Um, it doesn't actually work like that. And what's troublesome is oftentimes that's what our faith does actually look like. No one articulates it that way and no one admits it like that. But sometimes because we just see other people do it, we, we mimic it and we say, okay, well, this is, this is good Christian culture stuff. Okay, I'm going to raise my hands during worship. And, and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? Why did I just raise my hand? Because he raised his hand? Okay, maybe that's enough. Sure. Um, but, but, but sometimes it's helpful to ask some questions. And so we're going to look at some of those questions today as we walk through this God Is series and over these next few weeks. Because what I've, what's extraordinarily important for you to know is that Christianity is less about what you know and more about who you know. And when we can get that into our spirit, 
things begin to shift. Christianity begins to come alive. It's, it's less something that we just do on a Sunday, ugh, church. And, and it becomes something that we get to look forward to because God is doing something. So I want to try something a little bit different. We don't do this often. I want you to, the person sitting beside you, give them a little, little wink. And, uh, and so maybe if you, if you want to get comfortable, you can lick your finger and stick it in their ear. That's, that's, it's a wet, I'm just kidding. That's gross. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, I did learn what a reverse wet willy is. Um, so this is a wet willy, obviously, that goes in the ear. The reverse wet willy is where you stick your finger in your own ear and then put it in their mouth. And so you're welcome. You learned that at church today. And so everybody's learning something, and this is an excellent moment. And so, so let's not do that. But what I do want you to do is I want you to finish this sentence, okay? God is blank, What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Sitting with the person beside you, maybe you met them for the first time, maybe it's your wife, uh, maybe it's somebody you just met, uh, but, but finish that question. I'll, I'll give you a moment. God is blank. Like, who is God? God is what? Okay, I heard some answers. Okay, God is, I heard someone say great. That was awesome. Way to go. Forgive my graffiti writing and six-year-old writing combo. Anybody else? Faithful. Faithful. Okay, great. That is a good one. I'll take a whole bunch of answers. Throw them out, popcorn style. Oh, my gosh. Okay, don't all speak at once. Uh, enunciate, friends. I need some help here. What is it? Love. Okay, love. Anyone else? Life-giving. Okay. Oh, gosh. Now, you know, when people write this, you don't realize the pressure there is to spell right. Um, provider. So you just write messy, and nobody knows what's going on. Uh, a couple more. Good. God is good. Okay. How about someone else? Perfect. Whoa. Okay, there we go. This is looking really great. So, so here we are in a church. We've got 300 people here, and we're throwing out different ideas. We have great. We have faithful. We got love. We got life-giving. We got provider. We got good. We got perfect. These are good answers. And what I've come to realize with Christianity is depending on your story or depending on your experience or depending on your upbringing, we're all going to answer that question a little bit differently. God is blank. And the goal of this series is to try and create somewhat of a framework to bring us all in on the same page. And so, so as a church... Who do we believe that God is? Because churches are different, right? Even Christian churches are different. And so it's helpful when you're coming to a church to be like, oh, okay, what do these freaks actually believe here? It's not that we're actually freaks. I'm just saying what you're thinking. And so, so it's helpful. It's helpful to get on the same page. And so I, I want to start right from the ground floor. And this is not a question that I'm asking. This is more rhetorical in nature. Is God the same as a higher power? Because I've been asked that before. And it's actually a really great question. And for a long time in my own personal life, I assumed that, that God was the same as a higher power. And the truth is, the answer is both yes and no. Does God possess a higher power? Yeah, of course he does. Of course he does. However, we believe that God is a person, not a force. And that's important for you to wrap your mind around. So if God is a person who possesses a higher power, that means that it's, the answer is kind of both and. and. So the next question would be like, well, is God, is God universal? 
do, do, do all religions worship their own version of the same God? And that's actually a really good question, too, that we don't often think about. And the reality is, no matter the religion that a person is involved with, religions tend to try and answer the same questions. And we would call these first-order questions. These are questions that all of us inevitably at some point begin to ask. Questions that sound like, where did I come from? Like beyond mom and dad, it's not a sex talk. But, 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 but where, where, where did I come from? Like, like, like why am I here? What is my purpose? What, what, what happens after you die? Um, how do you make sense of, of evil or, or wrong or suffering? And then all different religions have their various different answers to these particular questions. But is the God that each religion claims to worship the same? The answer is no. One thing that makes the, the, the Christian God unique is that the, the Christian God as described in the Bible He's described as having actually three forms, not just one. And we sang about it today. We kind of referenced it today. But this whole idea of there being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I, I want to show you a few examples here. Because if we can wrap our minds around this, the God of the Bible begins to make more sense. So when Jesus was, was here doing his Jesus thing, he referenced God, but he referenced God in a fascinating manner. He didn't reference God as a force. He didn't reference God as just a, a higher power. The fascinating thing about Jesus is that he even referenced himself as God. And so there's this element of how Jesus talked, which was really interesting. Because here's Jesus claiming to be God, and if Jesus is God, who is he praying to? Dear me. Help me to have more patience. Thank you, me. In my name I pray. Amen. That would be really weird, don't you think? But he didn't do that. So Jesus would pray, and he'd pray to, to who? He prayed to God the Father. Which implies, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're telling me that there's two gods? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. Let's continue. So if we look at the scriptures... This is what Jesus said. Like, listen to these verses. I actually preached from this particular verse two weeks ago. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says these words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Father God, the Son, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he says. He references three persons, three aspects, three forms of, of, of God. And that's not the only place he did that. And in fact, later on when we do our baptisms, we're actually going to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we flip the page and we go to John, and we look at John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says these words. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, okay, with whom the Father, different person, will send in my name, different person, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So here's Jesus referencing God again in three forms. 
Verse 15, John chapter 16, verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine, he said. That is why I said the Spirit, different person, will receive from me, different person, what he will, what he will make known to you. So again, we have Jesus referencing three different people. It wasn't just Jesus, though. Paul does the same thing. Even Paul, one of the earliest Christian leaders that we have on record, referenced God as having three forms too. He, he concludes his, his letter in, in to the Corinthians like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Listen to how he talks about God. Not as a force, not as just a higher power. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, and the love of God, God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, be with you all. So to answer the question, who is God? At Coastline Church here, we, just, we describe God like this. And if you went to our website, this is what you would read. Okay, It says this on our website. We believe that God is the creator and ruler of the universe. He has eternally existed as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three are co-equal and are one God. So we would describe it like this. God is three and one. I can illustrate this this morning with my trusty whiteboard. So welcome to Sunday School with Adam, ladies and gentlemen. You're glad to be here. I'm sure you are. Uh, let me illustrate, before we even jump into this, um, let me il illustrate a learning concept I think will be helpful for all of us to grapple with before we jump into my really great picture. Let's assume that this board represents all knowledge, okay? Everything that has ever existed on the face of the earth, all things that could possibly be known represented in this white board right here. Everything that's existed, everything that's yet to be discovered, this board represents everything. So now I need a super smart volunteer to raise their hand, okay? I will not embarrass you. Maybe. Okay. Shandy, thank you for volunteering. I appreciate that. All right. You can stay right there. You can stay right there. You don't, have, you don't actually have to come. You don't have to come up here. Okay. You are a really smart person, obviously. If this board represents all of, the, all of the knowledge that could possibly be known on the entire planet, using a fruit as an analogy to figure out my circle size, I want you to tell me how much knowledge you think you have in comparison to the whole world. So... To make this easy, would you be like, uh, would you say you have a grape-sized knowledge? Um, or would you say that you have maybe a apple-sized knowledge? Can we say, can we just say, you're, you're a super humble person, so I'm probably going to answer for you. Uh, I'm going to say you have a cantaloupe-sized, that's grapefruit. Grapefruit, cantaloupe, in kind of in that window. Is that fair? Can we say that? Just all of knowledge, sure. A little speck. Oh, so humble. Gosh. Okay. Um, so Shandy wants to go with this. I'm going to say that you have a, a, a grapefruit-sized knowledge. Okay. Shandy, have you ever been boxing before? No. You've never boxed. Okay. So this is where you get to see my really great skills. This is, uh, oh my gosh, this is, this went way better in my mind. This is a boxing glove. This is a really good boxing glove, okay? So, so this boxing, this is this boxing glove represents boxing. Have you ever been skydiving before? 
Oh, okay, I would never have guessed that. And, and so, so we'll say this, this parachute over here represents uh, skydiving. Shandy, have you ever met, let's pick somebody awesome, have you ever met Harry Styles before? <laughs> Harry Styles, you've never met Harry Styles? Okay, good to know, noted. So we'll give him some glasses and some super sick hair. There we go. Okay, so we have Harry Styles, you've never met Harry Styles. And uh, have, you ever, have you ever been fishing on a kayak for salmon? Because this church bought me a kayak, thank you so much. And I'm so excited, but have you ever caught a salmon from a kayak? No, okay, so you've never caught a salmon from a kayak. Great, and so this is going to be you, long, flowy hair, and of course you caught a salmon, and this is my salmon drawing. Great. There's a lot of things that you have not done. Awkward. I think we can all agree that if a person doesn't know about something, it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean that that thing doesn't exist, right? It just means you haven't experienced it, right? So, so you don't, you maybe haven't been boxing, you haven't met Harry Styles, you haven't been parachuting, you haven't caught a salmon, but all those things still exist, right? So let's just assume for a moment that you were like a super hardcore atheist and you didn't believe in God. It is entirely possible that the existence of God could exist somewhere out here and it's just outside of your frame of knowledge, Right? And so, so everything that exists, everything that we understand doesn't just live inside this bubble. Like there's, there's all of life and all of knowledge. There's so many other things to understand that exist outside of what we know. And it's important that we, we consider this when it comes to considering the faith. Because not everything about faith is concrete and not all tangible and touchable. There's these aspects and elements to creation, to God, um, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to the way God works, that, that, that does create these, oh my word, this, this, these elements of, of, of the unknown. And so, so if, you're, if you're on the fence today and you're like, okay, gosh, I'm not even, I don't even believe in Jesus, just track with me for a moment. Because it's entirely possible that outside of your circle, God still exists. You just haven't found him yet. And so let's start, let's start there. So, so who is God? Like, who is he? The Bible describes him in the form of persons. The Bible describes him as the Father. Okay? But it doesn't just describe him as a Father. The Bible also describes God as the Holy Spirit. And the Bible also describes God as the Son. It creates this picture where, where, where we see that, that God is actually a little bit of all of these things. So God is the Father, and God is the Holy Spirit, and God is the Son. What, what, what we need to see in this picture here is that the Son and the Father, like the Son isn't the Father. They're, they're two separate and distinct people. Like the, like the Father isn't the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit isn't the Son. Like these are, like these, they're, 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 they're separate than that. They're all, they're all one, but they're all, they, are all, they are all separate things. Like the Father isn't Jesus. The Father is the Father. Jesus is Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. They're all co-eternal. They're all co-equal. They're all co-God. They have the same, the same essence, but a, but a different function. I've heard some people describe this, this thought as, uh, as an egg, right? If we had an egg, 
This is an egg. Up here we have the shell. We have the egg white. We have the yolk. All three of these things come together to make one egg, one whole but different components. We can think a bit about, about God. Like we can use a water analogy, right? So all, all of this represents water. And water can be in gas form, can be in solid form, can be in liquid form. One whole, different forms. The Father, the Son, the Spirit are all equal in their divine attributes. We don't have three gods. We have one God who exists in three persons, functioning equally um, in, and, and perfectly. That is why, as Christians, we use the term God as three in one. Each, each role relates to mankind in a different, in a different way. And, and I, want, I want to explain how this works, because if we can get this, God makes so much more sense. So we have God the Father, right? God the Father really functions in this role as, as kind of chief architect, he, he, he's, the, he's the creator. The father designed, the father organized how mankind would be, would, would be redeemed. It, it's, it's his idea. He set into motion this complex set of, uh, of events and, and, and actions and, and prophecies that, that all culminated in the death of, of a savior. This is, this is the father's work. In, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, well, when the time had fully come, God sent, God the Father sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Adoption to sonship. What I love about this aspect of God identifying himself as father you see, we can call God our Heavenly Father because at its fundamental core, Christianity is a personal relationship with God. And God isn't meant to be seen as a, a force. And God's not meant to be seen as a mindset or a higher power. God's more loving than that. He uses the imagery of, of father and, and, and son, father and, and child with us. This picture of adoption he uses that imagery because he cares for you, because he loves you, because he wants to protect you like a loving father, not some cosmic theoretical force. And so this idea that God, in, in his name, in his essence, in his nature, refers to himself as God the Father, it's actually really profound. Because as the creator, as the architect, he wants that relationship with you. So then we have the son. So we have God the father, the, the, the architect. But I like to refer to the son as the activist. We have Jesus, the, the, the rescuer. He followed the father's instructions. He came to earth, even though that he, it meant that he would have to die. The son, he, he came as the, the, the key initiator of, of the Father's rescue plan for humanity. And what he did is he created a way to the Father for those who were far from God. That was his, that was his role. John chapter 6 explains it like this. It says, 
all those the Father gives me, this is Jesus talking, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive them away. If you're here this morning, hear those words. I didn't grow up going to church. And I, I full-heartedly assumed that God would want nothing to do with a person like me. But that's not how it works. It says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So hear that and get that into your heart. Jesus doesn't want to drive you away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus said, I'm going to do the will of God. I, I'm, I'm the son. He's God's son. He's God in human form. When it comes to figuring out how to live out this Christian faith of ours, how to, how to do this whole humanity thing, Jesus is actually the model for how we are supposed to live this out. His role is super important. Jesus, as um, activist, what he does is he reminds us that Christianity is meant to be about loving people outside of the church. It's about rescuing people, not just being rescued. Right? There's this, there's this action that comes with, with this role of activist. Jesus, is active, as activist, what he does is he reminds us that Christianity is meant to be active, not passive. You live your faith. You don't hide your faith. Your faith becomes who you are, and it's, and it's liberating, not suffocating. Jesus' as activist reminds me that Christianity isn't supposed to be about fan, being fancy and glamorous. You live your faith out in very real ways. And to be a Christian, sometimes it's awkward. And to be a Christian, sometimes it's inconvenient. To be Christian means that we go out of our way to, to love others. And this is what, what Jesus models. This is what God models for us as, as, as Jesus. And then we have the Holy Spirit. I like to refer to him as the advocate. The architect, the activist, and the act advocate. The Holy Spirit functions in this role as empowerer. The Holy Spirit sees to it that every person feels a call towards God's saving grace. It's the Holy Spirit who, who, who tweaks that interest inside of us. Furthermore, he, he's, he's the one who transforms us. He transforms the lives. He transforms the hearts of those who receive salvation through Jesus the Son. And then what the Holy Spirit does is he, he, he empowers people. We talked about this with the witnessing sermon a few weeks ago. In John chapter 14, verse 26, I read it at the beginning of today. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. In John 16, verse 6 and 7, it says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the world. He'll prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. 
You know, show them that there is, there is a better way. Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. God, the Holy Spirit, is the person of God that we engage with the most. He's the advocate. He's the healer. He's the, the counselor. He's the guide. He's the one who fills us, the one who strengthens us. He's the one who makes us feel whole. That's his role. He's the one who gives humans the ability to do miraculous things. He's the, he's the one who, who opens the eyes of the blind. He's the one who heals broken bodies. He's the one who restores broken relationships. He's the one who gives us the capacity inside of us to be able to forgive others. He's the one who helps us to be able to love our enemies. He's the one who, who walks with us, who leads us, who guides us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a force. It's a person. The Holy Spirit who enables us to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's like he gives us lenses and eyes. I should open the door and let the whole volleyball team in here. <laughs> When in life would that ever happen, hey? Go to a volleyball game, turn the wrong door, and you're in the middle of a church service. There you go. <laughs> this, this, this concept of seeing God through the lens of the Trinity, with God functioning as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it, it, it helps us to better understand how to relate to him. I, 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 I can, I'll conclude with just helping you look at John 3.16 from a different perspective. So John 3.16 is the first verse I ever, I ever heard. Before I was even a Christian, I remember watching WWF and seeing Austin 3.16 signs, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I was like, okay, what's 3.16? And then I realized, oh, it's, it's, there's a reference to a Bible verse in here. Oh, my gosh. Jesus is real. I learned it from Stone Cold. And so this is the verse. Maybe you've never heard it before. Maybe you have this committed to memory. But this is the verse that we all hear. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is an amen. That's a great verse. But I want to read it to you from a, from a, a, a trinity perspective, uh, from a perspective that enables you to see this whole process in action. For God, the Father, so loved the world that he, the architect, created. When he's talking about world, he's talking about everybody. Anybody and everybody. Not just those inside the church. Those with breath in their lungs. Everybody. So there, the God the Father so loved the world that he gave, that he volunteered, perhaps, his one and only son, Jesus, the activist. Now, at first glance, you hear about this. You're like, how can a God, how can a dad send his son to go and save the world? I'm a dad. I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> if this church started burning, I'm going to get my kids first, and then I'm going to come for you. Judge me if you want, but I'm going to go after my kids first. That's kind of how, how it works as a father. It's intuitive. But here's God saying, whoa, 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 I'm going to send my son 
as a sacrifice for everybody. That seems so impossible. Until you think about the Trinity. He's not just sending his kid. The Father is God. Jesus is God. They're all one person. So what he's saying is he's saying, I'm not just going to go send my kid because I wouldn't be willing to do this myself. He's saying, I will go. I'm going to go. I, I will take this on my own. This is my responsibility. So I'm not just sending Jesus, my kid. I'm sending me. And that's so profound when you think about it like that. God's not just high and mighty sitting on his throne thinking, losers, kid, go deal with them. He's saying, I will do what I can. I will do everything I can to connect with them. And I love them. I will prove it to them by coming and walking amongst them and being with them, feeling what they feel, experiencing what they experience, not just the happy sides of life. But Jesus, when he came, he died. It says he gave. If you know the full story, you understand by gave, he means Jesus died for humanity. And so here's God who exists in heaven, creates humanity, and says to himself, to restore them, to heal them, to bring them back to me, I'm going to go and, and die and feel what they felt. It's powerful. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him, through the conviction, through the work, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit who, who wakes us up, the advocate. He says, they'll not perish but have eternal life. You see, the goal is not, in, the goal of not perishing and having eternal life isn't actually to have an eternal relationship with God after you die. It's like, it's not just about after you die. It says, shall not perish. Meaning that we can begin eternal, an eternal life with God here in the land of the living. <laughs> like John 3.16 isn't just a get saved, get out of jail free card. <laughs> it actually paints this picture for what real Christian living is supposed to look like. And that's powerful. It's profound. And it makes everything that we're going to witness today all the more sweet. To see, to be baptized is to say publicly, I, I want to live out my faith. Not just, not just kind of dabble in it a bit. <laughs> not just kind of like theoretically align myself to this church. It's not about that. It's about publicly declaring before God, before others, that, that the person I was before Jesus met my life before God the Father met my life, before the Holy Spirit got involved in my life, like the person I was before is no longer the person who I am now. Something's shifted. And so this morning, we're going to have some baptisms, which is really exciting. But before we do that, I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads first with me for just a moment. My prayer is going to be that for all of us, we'll be able to experience what it means to, to walk in that everlasting life here. What, what, makes, what, what makes Christianity so meaningful for us? 
And we're going to pray that God will open our eyes. So, Lord, I thank you for each person that's here today. I thank you that you're real. I thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. God, I thank you that you exist in father form, son form, and spirit form. I thank you that we can have a relationship with you. I pray for each marriage represented in this room. I pray for each family represented in this room. I pray for each individual person represented in this room. God, that you would open our eyes to who you truly are. God, that you would help us to remember that our faith is not just something something cute or convenient, but to have faith in you, a belief in you, a relationship with you truly changes everything. Help us to see what that means in our day-to-day lives as we walk this out. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.